Well, good morning, Walnut Hill family. It's so good to be here with you as we gather around the word of God, as we commune, as we meditate, as we ruminate, as we chew on what God has to say to us today. Whether you're here with me in Bethel or you're in Waterbury or New Milford or Derby or you're part of our online family, If you don't know me, I'm Crystal Ellington. I'm the online campus pastor, and I am so pleased and privileged to be standing in this spot today to share what the Lord has placed on my heart for you. You know, we are in this season called story time where we are learning kingdom principles, things that we should know about the kingdom of God from Jesus himself, from his parables, from his stories. We began talking about new wineskins and new wine where if we surrender our lives to Jesus, we have the opportunity to be a new creation in Christ. We have an opportunity to have new life. We also learn that Jesus is stronger. He is our victorious King and he shares his victory over sin, death, and the grave with us. Hallelujah, that's so good. And last week, Pastor Brian shared with us that faithfulness leads to fruitfulness that we as people of God are responsible for doing what God has called us to do and bearing the fruit that he has for us. So today, I'm going to continue in that vein. I am going to share a kingdom principle with you from the book of Matthew. So if you would turn with me, please, or pull out your app or however you access the Bible so we can read along together. So we'll be in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 34. And the Bible says, Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make its nests and its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. So why did Jesus tell these parables? What is the point? What was he trying to share with us? What kingdom principle did Jesus want to reveal for us today? Well, He wanted to share with us how important it is for us to act in faith. What does it look like to act in faith? But you know, in this passage, the call to faith is not you know, very obvious or very plain. So let's just take a couple steps back to last week where Pastor Brian talked about gardeners. He said a gardener's role is to plant a seed to prepare the environment so the seed can take root, but it's God's responsibility to bear the fruit. So that is what we are called to as Christ followers, as those who love God, our job is to be a gardener, to plant the seeds he's given us and to wait, to wait for him to bear the fruit. So you can see there are two opportunities for planting in these parables today. We have the mustard seed being planted to grow into a mustard bush or tree, and we have the yeast being planted in measures of flour to make leavened dough, to make bread. And you know, these people who are planting, there's something that they know or something that they might even subconsciously know, that when they plant, they have no ability to make things come forth. 
none whatsoever. They, they can't produce anything. They have to trust that the Lord will produce what he intends in accordance with what you have been given to plant. These people who plant, a person who plants is acting in faith in accordance to what we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, the Bible says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So a person who plants is convinced that planting what is in their hand will bring forth the intended seed, the intended result according to what God wants for his kingdom. So his kingdom can come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what a person who plants has in their heart. But you know, this outcome, this, this root, this fruit is not seen instantaneously. You know, there's a time to wait. In this passage of scripture, it says there's a time to hope. So this is time to pray, a time to believe, a time to trust that the Lord will bear the fruit that he desires based on the seed that have been planted. And we can expect and trust that the expected result in line with his kingdom will in fact come. So I have a natural question for you. This, this kind of leads me to a question. Why is acting in faith so important that Jesus would talk about it to the crowds? You know, he didn't just talk about this to his disciples. There was a large group of people who needed to hear this particular message, these stories, these parables. Why did he do this? Why did he share this? Well, because acting in faith is so important in our lives because it is a hallmark of true believers. If you are a believer, if you say you love Jesus, if you follow him, you have to act in faith. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. And Paul puts it like this in Romans chapter one, verses 16 and 17. He says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. And this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. And as the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So everyone who believes does so as a result of some kind of faith inside. And this faith is what leads us, which gives us life. And Jesus is revealing that a life lived with him, a life fully surrendered to Jesus, is a life lived acting in faith. So now I have a couple of questions. As I pondered this passage of scripture and I spoke with the Lord about what is it you have for your people today, I had two questions. The first one was, how, Lord? What does this mean? How do I act in faith? What does it look like for me to act in faith? And the second question is, I think even more importantly, why? Why should I act in faith? What difference does my acting in faith make for your kingdom? So let's answer that first question first. How? How can we act in faith? And the Lord, he gave me three words that helped me to understand what it looks like to act in faith. He said, to act in faith, you must believe. To act in faith, you must ask. And to act in faith, you must act, you must respond, you must do something. So I have a trick for you to remember these three words. But before I get there, I wanna tell you a funny story. 
You know, the Lord, he is so good to us. He loves to encounter us exactly where we are, whatever stage of life that we find ourselves in. For me, I have two older children and I have a toddler. She's two, her name is Abigail. And right now we are learning about animal sounds and animals. And we love animals and she is so smart. She's precocious, she's sassy, and she knows her animal sounds. And so when I saw these three words, believe, ask, and act, the first thing I thought, based on being a mother surrounded by toy farm and animals and hearing animal sounds was, bah. And I said, Jesus, are you sure you want me to share this with your people? It's a bit ridiculous. How could they take me seriously if I say bah to them on a Sunday morning? And you know what he reminded me of, of a scripture because he is good, because his scripture is life and light to us and it is applicable to us now. It is not just an old book that is irrelevant. It speaks to our life right now. He led me to Psalm 100 verse three, which says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you are sheep. And what do sheep do? Sheep, bah, so there we go. It's not too far off. This is exactly the thing that we need to be doing. We need to believe and ask and act. And Jesus himself is the good shepherd. So we should wanna be sheep because he cares for, guides, leads, directs, corrects the sheep. So let me start off with belief. To act in faith, we must believe. And we cannot skip this step this part of acting in the faith cycle because without faith, without belief, this just doesn't make sense. You cannot act in faith without belief. Hebrews 11 verse six says, anyone who wants to come to him, to come to God, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So what is this author of Hebrews saying? That we have to believe in God. And as Christ followers, we believe in the triune God. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. But who is this living God that we are being called to believe in? He is so many things. Let me just rattle off just a few of them. God is our Father. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He is good to us and good for us. He is goodness personified. God is faithful. God never changes. God is all powerful. God is all knowing. He is always present. He is wise, full of perfect and unchanging wisdom. He is merciful, compassionate and kind. He is full of grace. God is love. And this is just the tip of the iceberg of all that God is. We serve a glorious God. And I don't hear any amens or hallelujahs right now, but you should feel it in your spirit. That should be, you should be shouting in the chat, go ahead, give me some praise hands because I know that this is who our God is. This should stir up our hearts and our souls. So that's God the Father, but now we have Jesus the one and only son of God who was crucified, dead and buried and rose again in victory. And we can read about him, a beautiful description and depiction of Jesus in Colossians chapter one. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Everything was created through him and for him. 
He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. If you wanna know what God the Father looks like, look at Jesus. And where can we look at Jesus? In here. We can see who Jesus is like, who all that God is, Jesus is, and he reveals himself to be through our experiences and through the word of God. Jesus's life on earth is a full expression of the love of God for us. He took on our sin and died an agonizing death so that we could be restored, so we could be righteous in the sight of God the Father. He died so that we could live and experience new life in Christ. So we have God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. He is the gift, the promised gift from Jesus. He's our advocate. He leads us into all truth. He is our comforter, our counselor, our teacher. He teaches us things, and then he reminds us of the things that he taught us at just the right moment. Holy Spirit is the one, the one who empowers us with power from on high so that we can be and do in all the things that God has called us to be and do. And hearing all of these things should be stirring up your heart this morning, my friends. We should strongly believe in this God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And honestly, all that I said there is not even the totality of who he is. We have to read our word and seek him and he will reveal more of who he is. It's by believing that we are saved. Our salvation is a gift from God and this is how we become a person who belongs to Jesus, by believing. That's why we have to believe in order to act in faith. But even if you know these characteristics about God, sometimes we have these moments where we feel doubt where we have those uncertainties about who God is and what he has called us to do and all the things that are going on in our lives. But let me tell you something about doubt. Don't worry. Doubt is not the enemy of faith. In fact, I believe doubt is an invitation to deeper faith. And let me show you why. There's a story in the book of John about a disciple whose name is Thomas. You know Thomas, doubting Thomas. Jesus rose from the grave, resurrected fully, appeared to his disciples, but Thomas was not there. They said, oh, Thomas, we saw Jesus. He said, oh, you did, did you? I don't believe you. Let me read to you exactly what he said to them. It's quite crazy. In John chapter 20, he says, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. So you know, what I love about Jesus is how he treats Thomas. He doesn't scold him, he doesn't, he's not angry with him. Jesus reappears and Thomas is there, praise the Lord, he's there. And you know what Jesus says to him? He, he invites him to draw, come close, to draw near to him. Jesus says to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands, put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer, believe. Jesus invited Thomas to do the very thing he needed so that he could believe. And that's what he does for all of us. He knows exactly what it is that we need so that we could step deeper into belief. This is part of acting in faith. So when you experience doubt, it's just the whispers of your heart knowing there is more, that Jesus is drawing you closer to him. Your heart knows something is missing. And so Jesus wants to give it to you. 
And I think this is a perfect moment for us to pray because all of us are in some level of unbelief or disbelief. So let's just bow our heads. We can't go any further until we believe. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for this moment where you were inviting us to believe. Direct our eyes to you, help us to see you, help us to know you better, help us to know you more. And Lord, today I know that there are some dear ones whose heart is being stirred for the first time. They're saying, yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I want to know you. Yes, Lord, I want to be yours. Forgive me for the ways that I've lived that are outside of your will for me. And please, Holy Spirit, fill me so that I can live for you. God bless those dear ones. And for some of us who are further along on our journey, we have levels of unbelief that we have expressed either, either verbally or by the way we act. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for, those, for the ways that we have expressed disbelief. I pray that you would strengthen us. You would empower us by the power of your spirit, that you would speak to us in those places of doubt and fear, and that you would strengthen our belief, our faith in you. Give us all experiences that reflect your goodness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So besides believing to act in faith, we also must ask Let's go back to that passage in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, anyone who wants to come to him, to come to God, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So as we believe, we want to learn more about who God is. And this is where the asking begins. We're asking the Lord to show us who he is. To ask means that we ask God to reveal himself to us. And the scripture from Hebrews promises a promise. There's a reward for those of us who seek him. There's a reward. The reward is not monetary if you're looking for that kind of reward. The reward is better than that. It's the presence of God himself. It's joy and love and peace and grace and mercy and understanding and wisdom and knowledge. That is the reward that this writer of Hebrews is sharing with us that we can have if we would seek him fully. But this is not a promise of a perfect or peaceful, stressless, worry-free life. The promise is that God will be with us. As we go through our troubles and our trials, he's there. He's there for us in celebration and in sorrow. He will never leave us or forsake us. To ask not only means to ask God who he is, but to ask God for what we need. Learning more about God leads us into a deeper and more intimate relationship with him. And then we learn and understand that he wants us to ask him for what is in our hearts. He encourages us to do this. Jesus says in Matthew, he says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. And then he continues to say, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So if you believe, now that you believe, if you believe that our God is love and he loves extravagantly, why wouldn't you ask him for what you need? Our requests are not an annoyance. They don't bother God. In fact, they're proof of our relationship with him. They're proof of our trust in him. They're proof of our belief in him. Therefore, we must ask him. 
And to ask also means that we ask God not just for what we need, but for who we actually are. We ask God, what is our purpose? And why? Why do we need to ask him? Because he's our creator. He wrote the instruction manual for our lives. He knows exactly what he intended when he created us. Therefore, we should ask him what we're supposed to do with our lives. We should ask him about our purpose. And we can read about this in Psalm 139. It says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. God wrote the book on us before we were even us, before we were here, before we were even conceived. We had instructions. We had what we were created for. We had our purpose. God knew exactly what it was. And our job, our job is to ask. Our job is to seek him and he is not far from those who seek him wholeheartedly with their entire heart. But you know, this seeking can get tricky. You know why? Not because God isn't faithful and good and true, but because of us, because of our perceptions of seeking. Sometimes we think that God is a genie and therefore he needs to do exactly what we say when we say it. But if you've been a Christ follower for any length of time, you know that's not how this works. When we ask the Lord for something, what we're actually doing is putting our full trust in God, saying, here is this thing that concerns me. Help, do what you do, make your kingdom come and your will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. We have to trust God with our whole hearts and not our finite understanding. We have to recognize that God sees the complete picture. He sees the end when we are at the very beginning. He knows exactly what's going to happen. So we have to trust that whatever his answer might be as we ask, his yes, his no, his wait is exactly what he intends. That he's making his kingdom come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not our kingdom, right? Not our will on earth. So to act in faith, we must believe, like I said, to act in faith, we must ask. And lastly, to act in faith, we must actually act. We have to respond. We have to do something, do something. We can't just sit in pews or in chairs on a Sunday morning and then do nothing with our belief and our asks. We have to act it out. Our action should be in direct response to who we know God to be, which is why belief is the first step. We can't act in faith if we don't have faith in the great and mighty and glorious God that we serve. Let me just read to you from James, and it's gonna shock you to the core. In James chapter two, verses 14 to 20, James says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? This should feel hard in your heart. 
This should shock you. You know why? Because demons believe, but clearly they don't act in line with the will of God. So it's so important that we act as part of our faith because it shows us that we believe and that we actually belong to God, that we are his and he is ours. That action is proof that we belong to him. Our actions don't save us, however. I just have to emphasize that. Our salvation is by grace through faith alone. We cannot save ourselves with our actions. They are just proof that we believe, that we belong to Jesus. It's proof of the transformation that's happening in our hearts and our lives. So when we act, we are showing that we are willing to do whatever the Lord asks us to with what he has placed in our hand and we are trusting that he will bring about the results that he wants. But you know, acting in faith isn't always easy. And Jesus tells us that. He says, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Ouch. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves, but beware for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking, it will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. And even more assuredly, Jesus says in John chapter 16, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. I don't think he could be any more clear than that. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. So Jesus sends us out to live, to share the message of his good news, because a life lived with him is a life lived acting in faith, sharing the seeds of good news that he has planted in our hearts, however we get them, as we read, as we pray, as we connect into community, as we seek his face, we have seeds to plant and we are responsible And you know, we should seem different, strange even to the world. And we should expect some level of rejection because not everyone's going to understand. Not everyone's going to believe, at least not initially. We can pray and plant the seeds and trust the Lord. And you know, we won't always understand why we act. We we won't understand how he's asking us to act or why we have to act, but those are times we have to trust and not try to figure it out on your own. We have to listen for God's voice in everything that we do, everywhere that we go, because it is he who will keep us on track. We have to be like this person who took that teeny tiny mustard seed and planted it in the ground, expecting the Lord to bring the fruit to bear that tree or bush that can come from that teeny tiny, the smallest of seeds. We have to be like the person who put the yeast in the, in the measures of flour in the dough and expect the bread to rise upon baking. We have to wait after we plant. We have to trust and see what the Lord will do because he will cause these seeds that we plant in obedience. As we've asked and now we choose to act, he will cause them to burst forth in ways that we don't expect exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or even imagine. But you know, acting in faith isn't always a giant step. Some of us really want those Moses moments where we raise our hands and the Red Sea parts. We wanna see those things, we wanna see the plagues, we wanna see tapping the rock and the water come out. I can pretty much tell you that most of us are not going to have those massive Moses moments. 
we're going to find that our acting in faith, our obedience, our small, mundane, seemingly inane things that God is asking us to do, he'll be asking us to take small steps. And our parables are proof of that. You know why? We have that small mustard seed that we're talking about here and it grows up to be a tree. We plant a little bit of yeast in three measures of flour and we have leavened bread. Those are small things that Jesus was describing in these parables. He's saying that, you know what? Acting in faith doesn't mean taking giant steps. It means being obedient with what I have given you, even if it seems insignificant. It's significant to him and to his kingdom. Regardless of the size of the seeds, we are called to plant them, whether we believe it to be significant or not. Let me put it this way. It's not the size of our faith. It's not the size of the seed that we plant that causes the growth. It's the greatness, the power, the might of God that makes things grow. It's part of our obedience. When we, when we plant the seed, we don't have to worry about the result. We just do what he says. A small amount of faith plus the power of our mighty and awesome God can produce great, miraculous results. So acting in faith doesn't have to be big. It can also be very simple. It can be as simple as a prayer, releasing something into the, into the care of God, into his hands, saying, you know what, God, I don't know what to do with this thing. I need you to do it. I need your wisdom. I need your strength. I need your power. I need something from you. That's acting in faith, believing that he will answer, trusting that he will give you exactly what you need. Acting in faith can just simply be a yes. Yes, Lord, I will go minister to my neighbor. I will bring them that meal. I will be kind to that person who is extra grace required at my job. I will be kind to my children even when they're super annoying. Those are the yeses, the simple things that we can do that are acting in faith. Those little seeds matter. They measure up to something great in the hands of our God who waters the seed and brings things forth. But there's one more thing I really want to say about acting in faith is that it's not waiting for things to be perfect. You cannot wait for things to be optimized. The perfect opportunity, you have to do it when he says to do it. You can't wait to feel perfectly equipped, perfectly ready to do whatever he's calling you to do. Actually, the Lord is calling us to go in the strength we have right now and plant the seed. Do what he's called us to do, trusting that even in our weakness, even if we are weak vessels, he will still bring the increase. He's equipped us. He doesn't just give us something with nothing. He knows exactly what's inside of us for us to plant and for things to come forth. And let me tell you, I'm living proof of this. Standing here in this spot, it's so humbling when the Lord does something in your life that you know you had little to no control over. I remember so clearly when I heard the call to become a pastor. I didn't know what to do. I'm a scientist. That's what I said to the Lord. I was like, this is not what I signed up for, Lord. But he told me, you know, Crystal, you have to go tell people this crazy thing that I'm telling you. And I said, oh, great. Thanks, thanks, Lord. Um, they're gonna think I'm crazy. So I did. I told a couple people. One of them was Pastor Brian. And I remember sitting at Stony Hill Diner in a booth with him and my husband and having breakfast and telling him this. And he was very polite with me. I'm sure he was asking the Lord, what is she saying? 
this seems very crazy, but he was polite and I planted the seed. And little by little, it started to burst forth. Little things happening under the ground. You know when you plant a seed, there's a lot of work going on underneath the ground first before you see the little sprout and then the tree or the flower, whatever fruit you're looking for. There was a lot going on for a long time. Little by little, the Lord continued to water the seed I planted by just saying something. As I continued to pray, as I continued to fast and read my Bible to study, to show myself approved, all the things I thought the Lord wanted me to do so that I could become who he wanted me to be. And then one day, it finally happened. But honestly, I can remember those moments of frustration, those dark nights of the soul, those moments where I'm like, Lord, what is happening? Did I hear you wrong? Did you forget? Because you told me to do this crazy thing. How dare you? How come it's not happening right now? And I know that I'm not the only one who has those questions in your heart, in your mind when you do something the Lord asks you to do. But in those moments, I had to choose to believe God is who he is, that he is good that he is good to me and has good for me. He is faithful and unchanging. I had to believe the truth of who God is over what my emotions were telling me. I couldn't let my emotions take me for a ride. And if you know anything about emotions, they will take you for a ride. We as people of God have to choose to believe God is who he says he is over what our emotions try to tell us. Because most of the time our emotions are a little bit off. The timing is not right. You know, some of you have acted in faith. Some of you have believed, you've asked, you've acted, and now you're waiting. You've planted that seed that the Lord has placed in your hand, but you see nothing. You feel lost and abandoned. I'm here today to tell you that the Lord says he still sees you. He did not forget. Don't worry Continue to be faithful in the things that he's giving you to do. Continue to pray, continue to fast, continue to seek him, continue to read your word, continue to connect with him so that he can water the seed that you have planted so it will burst forth into something that you cannot even imagine would happen. I never imagined that I would be standing here sharing the word of God with you today. But the Lord had it in his mind. He knew what he was doing. Sometimes I ask, I got a lot of questions, but he knew what he was doing. And this is the same thing that can happen for each of us as we continue to trust and believe. Don't give up. God has not forgotten you. God has not abandoned you. And as the Lord spoke that to my heart, because I really feel like it's for someone here today, he gave me a passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 and 13, it says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. This is a now word, my friends. He is asking us to reach out and take his hand. It's extended to us. Take a new grip on your faith, on your belief in him, and he will pull you to standing so that you can act in the way that he's called you to act. He's calling us to remember that a life lived with Jesus, a life as a Christ follower, a life truly surrendered to him as a life lived acting in faith. And like I said, this is a now word, meaning we need to do it as soon as possible. We cannot delay, why? Why is it so important for us to act now? Because every seed we plant, no matter how small, increases the influence of Christ in the world. And we need some godly influence, friends, in our world. 
We need it. We are responsible for planting the seeds that will increase the influence of Christ in the world. And every seed we plant, no matter how insignificant you might think it is, it creates a clear path to Jesus for those who don't know him. This is our job. Our job is not to come and sit and sing the songs and go home. Even though I love worship and I love to sit and hear from the word of God, we are responsible to leave these seats and go do what God said to act in faith, to do something with the seeds he has planted in our hands. So I believe that the Lord is calling us to three things this week. First, believe. Believe again. Believe that God is who he says he is. Believe even when things don't appear or your experiences do not match the promises of God. Believe. Do not let your emotions take you for a ride. Believe God will bring forth the increase in accordance with what he wants for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Next, ask questions of the Lord. Ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask him who you are and ask him to refresh and refill you by the power of Holy Spirit so that you can then do the third thing, act, so that you can go and respond to what the Lord has given you to do. Act with steps of faith, act with wholehearted worship and surrender, act. Believe, ask and act, my friends. So I pray that this message had stoked the fire of your heart today, that you would believe again, that you would ask the Lord questions and you would act, you would respond to what Jesus is telling you to do. And I pray that Holy Spirit would come, that he would refresh you, that he would refill you so that you can go out and do the things you are called to do. And I pray that I could be a witness and you would be a witness to the miraculous things that God will do with the small mustard seed. You've got a mustard seed. Don't be afraid to use it. Plant it. He will make it grow because of your willingness to act in faith and your obedience. Amen. Amen. So let's stand together.